There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hello. Hey, Producer Joe. What's the word? Oh, just uh, just waiting for a little bit of inclement weather, you know. Are you in St. Louis? Yeah, I am. I'm going hunting tomorrow, though, so I needed to drop temperature. So I'm actively, like, excited about the weather getting a little bit cooler. So You've become a woodsman. I uh, There's a lot of happiness that's involved with it. Uh, in, in quiet time, and it is uh, it's nice to not sit there and look at a computer or stare at your phone or jerk off or do any of those things. Right, right. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so season ends on the 15th, so tomorrow I'll get one last day and uh, then not hunt again until beginning of November next year. Any other hunters out there with landing strips, you think? Mostly female would be my guess. Right. Um, Although the female I, landing strip, I think, is kind of a passe now. It's either full shrub or full shave. I think that's what's going on. You know, I think it, the landing strip may have been replaced by a very nicely, tightly groomed um, baseball diamond. I don't want. It's not a complete huh, triangle. I'm really out of the loop. You know, there's that. Uh, there's you know, it's like the rounded. It's the infield, the shape of an infield pointing down towards really god how am i missing this with all the stag i watch how am i not aware of this i gotta gotta do some diligence there's so much there's so much different stag out there you you might be watching a different genre right whatever um but you know whatever uh i i i have just now kind of started looking at instagram i created an account and i think i've posted three total pictures on there have to go see if i can Uh, following you Two of which are uh, woodworking projects. Uh, one was our picnic table that we made. One was my big green egg table I made. And then another one was uh, a shower beer, which I, I consider to be a top three beer. Um, but neither here nor there, the search function on on Instagram, there's a lot of stuff on there. So uh, actually in two weeks from now, I'll be touching down in Salt Lake City and uh, – beginning to ski. so there's like lots of like skiing instagram videos that you can watch but there are a lot of instagram hunting videos as well and uh there are a lot of female hunters um some that have made themselves into relatively large instagram celebrities for that subsection that i would imagine probably have a landing strip maybe at least huh. so huh. there you go huh but I thought you were going to say that that's somehow on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure Instagram has a strict policy oh. on, on no nipples yeah, or no shrubs. Nudity. I think. I think. No, no nudity on Instagram. Yeah. Hey, hey, let yeah. me. I, I, you know, I, I think I, I forgot my phone at home, which fortunately is only two minutes from the, the uh, HomeLoanExpert.com studios, and uh, for the, the Ryan Kelly morning after on Tuesday, 
And I was going to text you to yeah. see if you would come on the show and talk about Georgia, but oh. but I also was thinking you were probably still because it wasn't even twelve hours old, wasn't even like eight hours old. So upset that that you wouldn't necessarily be in a frame of mind to do so. So now it's been a few days. Can we talk about what happened on Monday night yeah. in Atlanta? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So now, you're, so you're mean, doing I, fine now. You know, the cat texted me. I was upset. I mean, it's the two football teams that I've, I've cared about since I was a little kid and moved to Atlanta uh, in the span of, what, 11 months, blew a 28-3 and a 20-7 yep. second-half lead. Um, now, granted, Georgia's won a national championship. I was all of a year old at the point. Um, so I don't remember that, obviously. And the Falcons had never won a Super Bowl. Um, and here, here's – I was upset that they lost, especially the way that they lost. Um, and from a, from a gambling standpoint, I was golden if, you know, Nick Papa Giorgio makes the field goal at the end of the fourth quarter because I cover Georgia and I cover the under. That I was so – Yeah, what are you thinking there? Like that was – I was wondering about that because I knew your lock of the week was the, the under – but I would I would think because I can't imagine you're betting that much that you would really care. Like you'll take your team winning a championship over winning your yes. whatever your I whatever it bet. was bet. Yeah, I lose bets like twelve times a week. So me losing a wager just didn't matter. I was I was excited watching the game, and yeah, at that point I don't care about my wager in the, in the way that it ends up playing out. Um, I'm like, well, hell, they kick in, they kick a field goal here. I'm still covering the under, and I'm definitely winning Georgia on this one. Man, this might – oh, holy crap, he just took a sack. He's back out of field goal range. Everything is – and then, yeah, there you go. Like, there's so many different things from the game that you can go back and look at, weird shit that happens. Um, you know, Georgia didn't lose because the officiating was bad, but the officiating was bad. That there's a block punt – that that Georgia should have, you know, been in field goal range just with the block punt aspect of it. Um, there's a face mask on Swift uh, that doesn't get called. There is uh, Jake Fromm's head being thrown into the turf after a play. There's no personal foul there. You know, like those are, those are three really big big plays in reality, um, but. The whole thing just, you know, Tua's run that sprung them for their first score, I think, you know, as it's happening, I said, I said, holy crap, that's the play. Because Georgia had him. And he's able to bust out, and things just kind of change from that point. It just sucks, you know, that they were there, and, you know, at 20 to 7, even at that point, 13 to nothing at halftime, you figured they were going to score. If Jalen Hurts plays, I feel great. And you and I both made our wagers based on Jalen Hurts and not Tua being the quarterback uh-huh. in the second half. And, you know, just from a handicapping standpoint or gambling standpoint, it just didn't matter. Like, it came down to wanting to win the game to a point that, I mean, I guess if I would have emotionally bet, it would have had to have been money line, um, you know, re- emotional risk management type right, of thing. Right, right, right that it would have had to have been the Alabama money line because, I, I, honestly, Tim, it didn't hit me until I was laying in the bed 
at about 11.45 or so that I said, holy crap, Alabama didn't have to kick the extra point. I covered. That it just it didn't occur to me until that point that that was the case. So you had bet Georgia? Yeah, I bet Georgia the under and Georgia under parlay. Ah, so you got hit. So, you got hit. Yeah, I got hit, but... You know, but the just, bigger thing is your team. Lo- the bigger thing is your team losing. I mean that 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 that's where that's where my folk. I mean, unless you bet like I mean money that's actually material to you, it's like you know. I mean, I bet oh. I live bet fifty bucks on Alabama when it was twenty to ten, and I got them at plus three and a half. My logic was I thought they were going to score another touchdown. I wasn't confident enough that they would come back to score two touchdowns and win it in regulation or win it in overtime. Not to say I didn't think they could, but I think it was only paying like. Uh, plus two seventy five, so I'm betting a hundred bucks on Alabama winning that game down twenty to ten, and I didn't feel like the value was there, so I didn't do it. I did feel good enough that it was better than a fifty fifty shot that they would score a touchdown and outscore them, uh, you know, and, and win with three and a half. So that was my reasoning. I didn't really care who won. I I kind of like these these dominant forces in sports, and ideally, it's my team that takes them down. Uh, so I, you know, when the when the Rams were in St. Louis beating the Patriots in college football, the you know fantasy of Missouri somehow being able to beat Alabama in a game of that magnitude, which of course is the ultimate outlier. But then again, whoever would have thought Missouri would be in the SEC championship in back to back years? You know, the Blues beating like the Penguins, the Cardinals playing the Yankees. I've always wanted to see that. So that kind of thing. So I like seeing the dominating force. I just want to see a great game. And it became clear, and I assume as a Georgia fan you felt it, because you're never feeling certain when you're up against Alabama. But when when Tua comes in and they have that first drive, even before they scored the touchdown, you could tell it had shifted, and that's when I was monitoring the line. I mean, you know, constantly trying to get it to a point where it's like plus four hundred, where I could bet a hundred bucks and be like, yeah, four to one, it's worth it. But it never it never got there. I think it got to three fifty, but that's when they were down twenty to seven. And there's not much time left at that point. So that that's how I view it. As a fan, I imagine you felt it shift when Tua came in and was actually do. There was a play specifically, and because he ran it, it won't be compared to like the Manning-Tyree play from 10 years ago in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, but where he was trapped on the near side, spun out of it, and then ran and picked up a first down on the far side. And that was a huge play for them. And I think four plays later, he threw the touchdown pass. So I would imagine as a Georgia fan, you're starting to feel uneasy around that time. Am I correct? I mean, you're up 13 nothing, but. You know, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's, think about, you're talking about like sideline stuff. Like I felt that things were just breaking Georgia's way. That uh, in the first half, do you remember when, uh, when Sony Michelle was able to bust out on a third and oh yeah, they had they had three third and long run yeah. conversions, which were set up by starting the game with seven straight pass plays. I think. Yeah, and at the same time, when it's Calvin Ridley's brother who caught eight passes all year, and he's your big third down receiver as well, and making like I just felt that everything was going George's way, and then to his first drive, what Alabama went three and out on that. And uh, and so I'm like, all right. And I knew that, that, that Tua was the thrower, and Jalen Hurts hasn't been able to throw all year. And, you know, you got Lane Kiffin questioning whether or not they're going to throw the ball deep at any point. I just felt good about things. And then 
then it's like that slow, you know, like uh, an avalanche isn't an avalanche right at the beginning. You know, like it just starts, and then it just starts coming down on you. And the touchdown pass uh, in the fourth quarter was – it was so close. Like Georgia's linebacker was what? two inches away from knocking that ball away on yeah. the scramble play that, that, you know, like it's so close at that point. And I, uh, I had resigned myself to the fact that, that Nick Coppa Giorgio was going to make the field goal at the end of the game. Um, and when it didn't happen, you start to get a little bit of excitement and then, you know, settling for field goals in overtime is such a dangerous way. Oh to yeah. Play. It's brutal. Um, but then the sack and I'm like, Holy crap. Because you just watch a field goal kicker in the first half, and at the same time in the first quarter, on their their miss, like there was the slip by Parrish, and Parrish was the guy they picked on the entire game, and Parrish slips, and Jalen had missed throwing that ball, and then they missed the field goal, um, and so you've got a, a field goal kicker who's missed two field goals, so you don't feel like Alabama's going to settle probably at any point just trying to kick a field goal, and then it's just. You know, a great play, but it sucks, man. Like, I was trying to equate it to something that's happened um, for me. Like, the Falcons losing the Super Bowl was just, it was worse at 28-3. to But the Falcons had been in the Super Bowl, um, you know, in my lifetime, in my adult lifetime. That, you know, Georgia hasn't been this close, really. Um, 2002, they were really good. Um, and if there was a four-team playoff, they would have gotten in. That was the year they lost to Florida. George Foster had a terrible penalty in that game um, uh, that, that ended up costing the game in the long run. But that was the closest they've been, and it, it was just – I hated it. It was, it was really, really tough, and I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, you know, my significant other at home wasn't, wasn't real talkative. It was great that it was late at night because it was just time to go to bed. Uh, she's a Georgia fan. No, but she knew I was going to be upset, Uh, you know? So it was, you know, she doesn't really have any allegiance whatsoever to any college football team. So she's enjoyed watching Georgia play, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect whether she's going to be happy or not happy. Um, so it was just, it was, it was rough, man. Like I, I, you know, 2004 for Cardinals fans, that thing, after game one and then game two, you're like, okay, you know, and, and the, the Red Sox were just a buzzsaw. So you weren't even dry humped at any point really in that series. I agree with you. I agree. I, I know where you're going with it. I agree with it. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think there's got to be obvious ones. The one, and I was at, you know, I was at the World Series in Fenway Park covering it for KMOV. And I remember standing there after I got done doing my live shot after game two. It was a Sunday night. And, of course, the Cardinals had lost, as they did all the games. And I'm thinking, I'm not coming back to Fenway Park. You know, I know this thing isn't going six games. It wasn't even a sweat. And I cover, and I, after the Cardinals got swept, I was in the clubhouse. And I don't want to say there were guys laughing, but it wasn't what you would expect after a team who had just won 105 games just was swept from the World Series. There was, you know, there were it was almost light, lighthearted for what you would expect is how I would describe it. And that always stood out to me. But I guess the one that I would say that I covered – for all the NFL games I've covered, the only time I ever saw players crying, and you can probably guess what it is if you think about it. Once I tell you the answer, you'll know. I mean, you'll be like, oh, yeah, obvious. You want to guess? Guess? Guessing games? Nurse? Nancy? Chasey? Lane? Uh, ah. 2003, uh, Jason Seahorn 
getting destroyed by Steve Smith? It's a good guess, but Super Bowl thirty six would be uh, sure. the the one. Now, I, di- I remember I intentionally went and covered the Marts press conference after the Carolina Panthers loss, which was 10 years or 15 years ago, I guess, 14 years ago. Uh, what would it be? 14 years ago, I guess, uh, this week. Uh, because I never understood why he sat on the football and kicked to, to play in overtime. But I, and I wanted to, but so there might have been guys uh, emotional on that one too. But the point being, you know, the Cardinals losing, you know, in four games to the Cubs, or the Cardinals losing in five games to the Giants, or the Cardinals, you know, losing in, in six games to the Reds. Whatever you want to pick, it's when you're in a seventh-game situation where everything's on the line, or in the case of college football, this situation where you haven't trailed for a second and you lose in that fashion as a fan and as a player, but as a fan, it sticks with you and it will always Stick with you, like like Grant Wistrom says. He goes, I've never heard people talk about a football game they lost as much as Missouri fans talk about that Missouri-Nebraska flea kicker game, the day you got your ankle tat. The, the day the, before I got my ankle tat. I apologize on that. I, apo- yeah. I guess you got it on a Sunday. Right. but but No, you, I, got, I got it on the Friday. Okay, so just for clarification, Joe got his ankle tat on November 7th, 1997. Is that correct? Yes. All right, and the, and the flea kicker was November 8th, It's somewhat irrelevant to the overall point, which is when you have your heart ripped out, that's what stands out to you more. Or, in the case of Cardinal fans with 2011, that's always going to be on a pedestal that you that you can't even, I mean, I can't imagine. Du- I mean, how do, you, how do you duplicate that? How do you ever experience something that great? So I truly am, even though I didn't care one way or the other, I was happy I had Alabama live bet, but it was a stupid little $50 bet. So I, whatever, I'm happy yeah. I cover, but it, but I'm truly empathetic as a Georgia fan, a legitimate Georgia fan, not somebody who just hopped on this year because we've been picking Georgia games every damn week since we've been doing this, uh, that I, I truly felt badly for you. And that's why I'm like, ah, it's kind of a good thing that I forgot my phone because I won't text Joe and see if he wants to come on because you probably were miserable and not wanting to discuss it. You know what? It, yeah, I, I was, and we have a friend, you and I, um, the MVP. I haven't heard from the MVP in. Oh, did he send you a taunt years. text? Did he send you a taunt text? No, I don't. No, I don't think he was taunting, but I, you know, like it's all about the timing. And like I said, I haven't heard from the MVP in two years. About you know, I guess I could go back and look at text messages. You know, it, it feels like it's been a couple of years. And I haven't seen the MVP since you and I and he and Governor Bowles, I believe, uh, were playing wiffle ball in your backyard. Ah, good times. Before I went to a a Corey Smith show in, like, September or October of 2013 or 14. Um, So it's been a long time. And I texted with him a little bit while I was watching the game, but it was just, like, all about the timing. Like, when Georgia starts running downhill – and, and it's not going well, there's our buddy, the MVP. And like, it wasn't taunting. It wasn't like, holy crap, your team's going to blow it. But, you know, it, it got to a point where I kind of turned my phone off. Mm. Um, mm. And I just, you know, not because of him. There was a bunch of different people and friends. and Really? People were doing stuff. that, honestly? No, no, there was no taunting. There, there, was, there was no taunting, just people texting about what was happening. Okay. Um, and and like and 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 I do, you know, like if Alabama would have lost the game, 
you know, and now it's been, what, three days since it's happened. But if Alabama would have lost the game, so if Georgia wins 23-20, and I wonder, because there is a really, really, really diehard subsection of Alabama football fans, what that kicker's life would have been like that he misses a very makeable field goal to win the game, what what would have been the fallout from it? Because I, I, I would hate to say that he probably doesn't end up coming back to school, but I also think that there's a good chance that he probably doesn't end up going back to school hmm. and, and just relocates and transfers, probably ends up at FAU and, and plays for Lane Kiffin, which is like the easy joke for everybody to make. But... Um, I, I wonder what it would have been like for him because, you know, it's an 18 to 20 year old kid and he missed a kick, but I, I think his life would have been really, really, really oh, hard brutal. to go back to school there. Couldn't agree yeah. with you more. Please make sure, please make sure you support the sponsors. If you don't the podcast goes away. So please make sure you support the sponsors. Uh, and if your insurance costs a leg and an arm, then you ought to call James Carlton State Farm. You might be sitting there thinking that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because of my record in my locks of the week category. Well, here's a lock I can guarantee. You will enjoy your experience with the James Carlton State Farm Agency. If you're in front of your computer while you're listening to this, go to carltoninsurance.net right now and just get a quote to see what's the good word. Ask yourself a question. What's my insurance company doing for me? Then go check them out on Google and Facebook and see what they're doing for others in your community. The good news is you probably already have the product that James offers. The bad news is if you're not with James, you're without question sacrificing service and likely paying too much. It's James Carlton, the James Carlton State Farm Agency, 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Uh, well, yeah. uh, I'm glad we discussed it because I legitimately was was curious about it. I hate that college football is over. I guess I am intrigued by these games as I look at them this weekend in the divisional round. And I think the divisional round is better than the wild card round because a lot of the wild card games you kind of look at and go, eh, I mean, do I really think, you know, like Titans, Chiefs, uh, Bills, certainly... I I looked at the Panthers, this four teams that don't have a shot. I think minus the Titans of the eight teams playing this weekend, I feel like I, I kind of don't see it how how the Eagles could do it at this point, but maybe I'm wrong. I feel like any of them could actually win the Super Bowl, uh, and you don't have that in Wild Card Weekend, so there is there is there is something more to it i guess the games could be tougher to pick even though you do have a 13 point line let's start with the first one falcons minus 3 at the eagles first time a top seed has ever been an underdog in the divisional round but that's what you have with the eagles producer joe where do you go i for the record am on the falcons since i want to make my picks before you so it's clear yeah. even though i think i've been mathematically eliminated you went 4 and 2 last week i went 2 and 4 uh let me see i didn't i just entered these numbers You're now dormy. What's You're dormy right now. You're dormy. Oh, um, I'm dormy. I don't, I don't, I don't even know dormy. how many things we're picking remaining. But either way, I've I've signed off. You're 69 and 60, which is damn good, man. I mean, that really, you're approaching 55%. You could do 55%. I'm 59 and 70. It's just 
a fucking disaster. Six and 13 on my locks. You're eight and 11 on your locks, which is also fucking terrible, by the way. But at least yeah. you're 53.5 overall. All right. So Falcons minus uh, three on the road in Philadelphia. Uh, I am on the Falcons. And, oh my. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's a massive surprise, I'm sure. Um, but in, in, in its defense, it really is defense for them. And it is also, I guess, looking at and playing the Eagles' offense, which also really, really helps them out in this situation. Um, I, uh, I think it's going to be a hell of an NFC championship game, regardless of what happens in the other game, whether it's the Saints or whether it's the, the Vikings that ends up coming through. But uh, I, I think it will be a really, really, really good game. And I think it sets up possibly – I think it's going to be the Patriots and the Steelers in the AFC Championship game, not to blow my nut for the future picks, but I think it's going to be one of the best AFC-NFC weekends we've had uh, probably since it was 49ers-Falcons. That would have been 2013, January 2013, I guess it would have been. Um, I, I like the Falcons in this game. I don't think it's going to end up being particularly close, and I think the three points is actually kind of a steal. Uh, I like the Falcons quite a bit, and I think they win the game, and I think they might win it comfortably, actually. And the Falcons could be one of those teams like the Packers seven or eight years ago when they got in, they got hot, and they actually wind up getting to the Super Bowl. Of course, I'm all over the Saints, so I won't be picking the Falcons to go to the Super Bowl, assuming my Saints are still around uh, on the NFC Championship weekend. But uh, it just sets up so well for Atlanta. But because of that, I think it sets up really well for New Orleans because they would host the NFC Championship game. Titans at Patriots minus 13. I am on the Patriots, for the record. Yeah, me too. And do you remember, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure you remember Tebow uh, as a Denver Denver Broncos quarterback beating, uh, winning in overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers on an 80-yard touchdown pass. Is that Demarius Thomas, I believe, who got it? Yeah. That the next week they went and played against the Patriots, Yeah, correct? in New England and got the absolute... Corporation. Yeah. Abs- and that's that's exactly what I thought of with this game. And so uh, 13 points is a whole lot of points to be laying in the postseason. Um, but I I realize that the Patriots have bigger things going on than, hey, can we run it up and make everybody forget about what's happened You know, with the Seth Wickersham article? But I think there's a little bit of a fuck you mentality right now from Tom Brady that he wants to shove it up everybody's ass. Yeah. And it just happens to be the Titans this weekend. Yeah, I uh, I, I share that same logic as well. Uh, and I like the Patriots quite a bit. And doing my four-team teasers to be able to move the Patriots down <laughs> to a to a, a even spread is awfully delectable. Uh, Jaguars at Steelers is how Sunday starts off. Steelers minus seven. I am uh, on the Jaguars. Oh, I am on the Steelers. Oh, we actually have and, one. It, and it's a it's a Big Ben redemption game from his five picks earlier this year uh, against the Jags. That uh, you know, depending upon how healthy I guess Antonio Brown is, he was on a full participant in practice yesterday, I believe, and uh, I, I feel good with it. And. Even if it's not him, there are enough other weapons, and Le'Veon Bell has been really, really good since week one. Uh, I, I see the Steelers. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense is, is really, really good. I get that. But uh, I, I'm going to take the Steelers in this one. 
I am on the Jaguars. It's not necessarily like I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win it, but seven points I like, and I'm expecting it to be a low-scoring game. Um, I just think the Jaguars might be a really bad matchup for Pittsburgh. It just be, might, might be one of those teams where it's a bad matchup. Um, kind of like how I looked at Georgia-Oklahoma. I thought that was like the worst-case scenario matchup for Oklahoma, even though the reasoning didn't wind up playing out. I thought Georgia would be able to keep them in check. Of course, that didn't happen. They won, um, and they were successful with running the ball like I expected them to be. And, uh, of course, the one that I, 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 I still, by the way, Producer Joe, for where people may wager, you can get the Saints plus 650 to win the Super Bowl. And... I don't know. I just, I'm like, but, but here's the thing. So of course I'm on the saints. They're getting four and a half in Minnesota. Uh, my reasoning for being on the saints is the run game and the defense and neither were good last weekend yet. They still were able to win. I mean, you know, Cam Newton didn't really have a whole lot of people to throw to, and they still were able to put up some points so I don't know what happened to my guys, uh, Lattimore and Crawley, and then and I don't know what happened to Mark Ingram and, and to uh, Kamara. Uh, they were absolutely shut down. So I don't know what happened. I guess in one sense I'm encouraged that they won despite both those sets of players who I think so highly of and why I'm so high on the Saints as kind of this sneaker Super Bowl champion um, and have been for a while. But... I'm super concerned as to why both those, uh, you know, pairings on the Saints were really not good last week. So uh, I'll take the Saints plus the four and a half, but I thought that was strange last week against the Panthers. I uh, I like the Vikings just for the, the home field advantage aspect of it because I do think there's a, a real home field advantage that comes with that team um, and if playing in Minnesota. I am very, very theory of wagering on Case Keenum in a playoff game. Uh, I'll be really honest with you. I will not play this game straight up personally. It will be involved in a 13-point teaser, and I will tease the Saints up, and I will gladly take 17.5 points yeah. through Breeze. Yeah, um, that's a nice play. Uh, it is it, it, wagering, a, <laughs> wagering on Case Keenum in a game of significance shouldn't make a whole lot of people feel good. Um there is something to the Drew Brees factor this year, too. I could see Brees, if they win the Super Bowl, him retiring, um, that go out at, at this point. I also think two Super Bowls for Drew Brees puts him in that argument of, is he a top-five quarterback of all time when you start looking at the amount of yards and the records that he's already set in the NFL. Um, but I, uh, I'll i take my uh, be my fourth favorite, which is usually a really – really uh, good recipe for success when wagering. Um, but I'll take the Vikings, but personally I'll be I'll be teasing this one up and taking the same. I understand. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, what is your lock? My lock, for the record, is the Jaguars-Steelers under 46-and-a-half. Uh, I am also on a 46-and-a-half total number, but I am going under of the Saints and Vikings. Yeah, I like uh, my that was mine last week. Was the Saints under logic being they'd run the clock, dominate defensively, and Carolina wouldn't do much, and they'd win something like twenty-four to ten. Saw yeah, that worked out. They scored nearly sixty points. Almost blew up my four-team teaser. Oh yeah, <laughs> that uh, I I I just don't see a whole lot of points being scored in that game. That I, you you just got done talking about the defense with the Saints that you know is a strength of their 2017 season. 
the Vikings have a very good defense as well. Michael Thomas and Rhodes, I think, will be a really interesting matchup to watch in that game. Um, and, and if it's not going to be Rhodes, then it's going to be a lot of screens, I think, to Kamara. But uh, without the home run hitting, I guess Ted Ginn could get loose at some point, too. Um, but I, I just, I, 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 it's probably against conventional wisdom when you're thinking about the Saints to take an under in that game. But yeah. I do, uh, last I week. do like, Didn't I like the under of that one. Well, here are yeah. my plays, because uh, the four-team sweetheart teaser is just, I mean, she's so beautiful. She really is. In the NFL, I don't really mess with them in college. I'll do it if I just like when I just play around. But, I mean, as far as a money-making strategy, I really do like them. And I'm tracking all my stuff, so I'm making sure my, my percentages are what I think they are. And it's it's very successful. So, for the record, uh, what would I take? Here's my four-team sweetheart teaser, my official recommendation for those of you who have listened to Joe talk about his landing strip in the woods to listen to Joe talk about Georgia losing, to listen to me pick games that you know will go the opposite of what I picked. Here's where you get rewarded for listening this entire time. You lower the Eagles-Falcons total to 28 and take the over. You lower the Patriots' side of minus 13 to even and take the Patriots. You up the Jaguars-Steelers total. Oh, I'm sorry, it's 41, Joe. I was looking at the uh, Vikings... I'll still take it, but oh. uh, it, that is a material change. But I got to be uh, got to be accurate here. Jaguars under is forty one, but either way, you lower that to fifty four. I mean, do you really see Blake Bortles putting up twenty points? Um, no. And uh, and I would imagine that clock will be moving. And I just don't know if I can see the Pittsburgh Steelers putting up thirty. So there's my logic on that. I don't think that's a real tough one. So forty one. So you get that up to fifty four, and then. Uh, the Saints and the Vikings, and the number actually now is five, so you can get the Saints plus 18, but either way, it goes back to what you were saying, 17 and a half, 18. It's just another half point for you. So that is my sweetheart teaser, and I really do like those plays. Probably the one that I could see actually being the least confident in, in a weird way, because I don't know how the Falcons and Eagles don't score more than 28 points. I have no idea how the Titans go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Uh, and I just cannot see the Jaguars and Steelers combining for more than 54 points. I can see a scenario in which the Saints, if they play similarly to what they played last week, and somehow the Vikings come out of like bats out of hell, the Vikings beating the Saints by more than 18. I don't consider it to be likely, but I could see that scenario. The other three, I just don't see it happening unless there's just terrible weather in Philadelphia and they can't move the football. But otherwise... Um, 28 for those two teams. So there it is. That's what I've got, and I feel pretty good about throwing that out there to the audience, and uh, you could do some shipping. And maybe if you've been with me throughout the year, and I have no idea why you would be, but now you can you can make all that money back by betting the Sweetheart Teaser. There's my official play. There you go. I uh, I like the over, the two and a half of Spurs and Everton. Oh, we got a, so we got a soccer play. You do. You, that's, that's the only one. When is this? Uh, is this I, Saturday morning? What do I got to do? Uh, it should be Saturday midday. Okay. Um, sat- then Sunday, the number's not up yet, uh, but Liverpool and Manchester City play. That uh, that one that one feels like a really good over as well. I just don't have the number on it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that uh, those two games, Everton and Spurs, and uh, and Man City and Liverpool are uh, are the two soccer games that I've got circled on my card. 
Interesting, interesting. All right, well, there it is. Producer Joe's plays are out there. Mine are out there. Uh, thank you for the therapy session on Georgia, and uh, have yourself a fine weekend with your landing strip in the woods. Uh, yeah, just one day, just a just a Friday, and then uh, camp out and drive home on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I will hopefully get over fifty five percent this week. That's my goal is to to get up over that for. The entire yeah, it'd be a hell of an accomplishment. I think I did it one year, so we've only had it happen one time in all of our years doing this. That'd be a hell of an accomplishment. And to do it being 8 and 11 in your locks is is uh, an anomaly. Uh, yes. Uh, I would consider all of it to be an anomaly, the fact that I am over 500. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I'll i just be truthful about it. God but, bless. Uh, Thank you, Producer Joe. Producer Joe. <laughs> there he is, Producer Joe, picking and groaning. Uh, from my standpoint, thankfully, coming to an end here soon because uh, it's just it's an exercise and embarrassment for me to come in here and, and just pick games inaccurately every damn week. But nonetheless, for those of you listening, and uh, based on the numbers, there are actually people listening. Uh, we thank you for doing so. We thank Ryan Kelly for being the sponsor of the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. You would think everyone by now would have refinanced, but they haven't. I was talking to Ryan about why those people haven't refied yet, and he said one of the biggest reasons is they don't think their home will appraise high enough. Well, home values are skyrocketing, so maybe even if you have tried in the past and your house didn't appraise, it will now. Plus, Ryan Kelly closes loans all the time without an appraisal. Ryan Kelly and the Home Loan Expert team work hard so you don't have to. If you're looking to refinance or purchase a home, why would you go anywhere else? Call Ryan. At 314 or visit com. For my producer, the Seamaster, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. 